Welcome to the Research Culture Uncovered podcast, where in every episode we explore what is research culture and what should it be. You'll hear thoughts and opinions from a range of contributors to help you change research culture into what you want it to be. Hi, it's Emma. And for those of you who don't know me yet, I lead the Researcher Development and Culture team at the University of Leeds. You're joining us in season one of our Research Culture Uncovered podcast, where we're getting to know our co-hosts in a bit more detail before they go on to host seasons of their own, each covering a different aspect of our research culture. But today we're mixing things up a bit. We've already met the hosts in our previous episodes, so today we're getting to meet one of the driving forces behind the research culture change work at Leeds. I'm delighted today to be joined by Professor Catherine Davis, or as we know her, Kat, our Dean for Research Culture. This was a brand new role at the University of Leeds, and Kat is currently leading on work to create our research culture strategy, having already released our research culture statement. But I'm sure we're going to hear more about both of those things as we continue this discussion. So Kat, you and I have spent quite a few meetings together, and I've heard you mention on more than one occasion that you've spent time in Japan, and you often talk about it very positively. And Japan is one of my favorite places. So I'm just wondering, what is it for you that you really enjoyed about Japan? Mm. I guess at the time that I was there, it was my early 20s. I was fearless. Uh, I said yes to everything just because I thought I'm in this completely new culture. I'm never going to get this chance again. I mean, I did stay three years. um, But yeah, you know, lots of things were just why not? You know, yes, I'll take a Japanese exam in my first three months. Yes, I'll learn taiko drumming. I did snowboarding. Yes, I'll make mochi with the mayor's children. Yes, I'll DJ in this club. Um, So, yeah, lots of opportunities just flying at me. uh, loved learning the language, loved not just making Japanese friends, but um, actually friends from all over the world, learned a lot about different cultures and actually a lot about British culture from being in Japan. Um, and actually the contract was the best thing because it was three months on, three months off. So that was a really nice way to work for a while. Wow. Hmm. You spent a lot longer than I did. I was only there for two weeks and yeah, I would love to go back at some point. Yeah, me um, too. It's been over 20 years now, so I'd love to take my daughter back and, and see how it's changed. Right. So the reason we're here today, obviously, is to talk about research culture and this role, your role, the Dean for Research Culture, was a new role at Leeds. So we hadn't had it previously. And I think, in fact, it's fair to say it's a relatively unique role across the sector. So there aren't many institutions that have similar roles. There are a few more cropping up. But what was it about the role that made you think, do you know what, I really want to do this. This is the role I want to try. Sure, yeah. When the role came up or when when the papers started coming through to committees, I was coming to the end of my ECR years Um I'd had a little bit of time to reflect on my experiences. I'd learned a lot in my role as director of research for languages, cultures and societies. So not just kind of tunnel vision into my own research, but learning a lot about different kinds of research and how that works so differently, even in within one school. So while I was pretty busy with my own developmental work, um, I was really keen to manage things better and to make things better for others I guess find different ways of doing things that kicked back against outdated traditions lots of us working in research culture uh, have been quite wounded by research I've got to say research practices 
from inequalities, from unfair treatment, from just sort of inefficient ways of doing things. So I really wanted to take that opportunity um, and see how we could do things differently and do things better at Leeds. It was also kind of post-COVID and I'd spent a lot of time knocking on senior leaders' doors trying to get you know, COVID effects on researchers and particularly those who were homeschooling at that time um, on their agendas. Um, so yeah, it was just, it sort of, it seemed like it had my name written on it. Brilliant. And said it was a, a, a new role. So I think it's fair to say there's a lot of um, exploring as well that goes on as part of this. Yeah. So you're going to be engaging with other people in similar roles like yours. As I said, more are popping up. Um, and we're also seeing more activity across the sector. So more networks, more groups popping up with this um, focus on research culture. Are you seeing any particular areas that are common in these discussions or um, you know, where do you think the sector is in terms of appetite for change? Yeah, I mean, research culture is such a huge area. There are, of course, commonalities between different universities, between universities and funders, universities and publishers. Um, so, yes, lot, we're, we're grappling with lots of the same kinds of issues. There are, of course, differences. You know, at Leeds, we're a really big and diverse institution, and that brings with it some of its own issues and challenges. Um, but overall, there's a consensus that we really, really need this work um people are leaving the sector and those that do some of them tend to shout quite loudly about their reasons for leaving and um within those testimonials um they cite poor research culture as a push factor so we can see now we're losing some really great talent and probably failing to attract other great talent um so we really really need this work I think also the thing that there's real appetite for um, is diversity. So there are pretty depressing, appalling statistics on diversity, particularly in the higher levels of research and research management. Um, you know, it's amazing now that some institutions are making really bold and open and honest statements that they have been and continue to be institutionally racist. Um, so that makes things really exciting that we're actually acknowledging where we've gone wrong now. Um, so there's appetite to, to really tackle these inequalities and not just pay them lip service to actually put some actions um, in place to ensure that uh, people are not disadvantaged um, unfairly. There's also a real appetite for the recognition of team research. So, you know, previously known as team science, um, the recognition of everyone within the research endeavor of all roles and all skills um, and those contributions that they make. Um, and, and along with it, the need for development in all of those different roles. So one example I talk about here is technicians. Um, so, I mean, we've just been chatting about this before we, we hit the record button, but there's a real groundswell, I think, in an understanding of the many and varied contributions that technicians make. Now, of course, there's many different types of technicians, including librarians, including um, facilities staff. Um, and particularly through COVID, 
those people were in, they were on campus, they were on the ground. And so because of that, they were pulled into lots of different roles, including sort of well-being roles. Um, they kept things ticking along, they kept, you know, labs running in many cases. Technicians also play, they provide a kind of safe space, I think, outside of these kind of rigid hierarchies, sometimes within research teams. Um, so there's a lot of um, invisible work, but really valuable work that technicians do. Um, so yeah, happy to say that when I'm talking to my fellow deans of research culture in different universities in the UK and beyond, that um, you know we're really um, shouting about the different kinds of contributions that, that that these people make, and not just those who are PI or who have their name on research papers although postscript technicians and those that contribute should have their names on research papers. Um, so yeah, I'd say overall, the, the, there is a, a dire need for work on research culture, on uh, addressing inequalities and a lack of diversity and for an acknowledgement of team research. Brilliant, thank you very much. Um, I'm not sure where we go from that one, uh, but I've already mentioned this is a new role at the University of Leeds. I think we were incredibly lucky to get the role. We do have really great support for what we're trying to do. I think it's fair to say that um, you've been in post for just over 12 months at the time we're recording this. Um, it's been busy. It's been hectic. There's been a lot of things thrown at you. But what are you most proud of for your first 12 months? Oh, this is so hard. I can't pick one thing. I've got so many. Um, and I'm going to slightly fudge this answer by uh, a sort of umbrella answer that I'm really proud that we've had the time and space and money actually to do things in a different way. Um, so things like... Um, releasing interview questions in advance for um, recruitment of um, academic and professional services post. That was, was something that we went out on a limb for. Um, we weren't quite sure what was gonna happen with that, but actually we found some really great outcomes from that, some that we knew about and some that we didn't expect. Um, it's been way more inclusive um, for neurodiverse applicants. Um, it's actually led to um, some really, really slick interview performance and really impressive interview performance. Um, and I'm really pleased to see that that's being adopted and, and adapted by different areas of the university now. So that was an example of, I think, doing things in a, in a different way. Um, I'm really proud of the grassroots stuff. So when we've just enabled people to show us what they can do and they've done it. So one example of that would be um, some funding that we gave to the six women on our Black Women Professors Now track. We gave them some research funding to enhance their projects along research culture lines, and they really ran with it. And they thanked us for um, allocating the funding rather than doing it competitively because of inbuilt biases um, into the application process. So some fantastic work uh, by that, that cohort. Um, also projects through the Crucible, so looking at um, language support for grant applications, uh, oh, lots and lots of different things. And I'm also going to say the Research Culture Awards because that was really fun and it was really lovely to see how proud people were, not so much of the award itself, but of the work that had gone into the awards and to actually learn more about 
um, these brilliant things that are going on within the university that we don't always hear about. The bit Kat isn't mentioning there is that those awards were held on the hottest day of well, the hottest day ever, I think, in my lifetime. Um, it was a fantastic day, but blimey, it was hot. It, it really was, was. Oh, my God. It was memorable for uh, for that reason, as well as everything else. Yeah, it was it was pretty stuffy in there. But um, yeah, people were were amazing. And thank God for the um, air con in the refectory, I would say. Yeah, definitely. So in amongst all of that, you've mentioned um, the interview questions in advance. I'm thinking that could probably be a podcast on its own, actually. We, we really should go back and revisit it. Um, and just to make the listeners aware that in the show notes, you can find links to all of the things that are mentioned in the podcast. So if there is anything you want to follow up, that's where you need to head. We've mentioned um, in several of the previous episodes, my, my own included, that research culture is huge and there is so much work that sits underneath it. So I'm going to put you on the spot now and ask you what you think the biggest challenges are, either for us at Leeds or across the sector. And where do you think it's going to be hard to make significant progress? Mm. This is not an easy job. Um, you know, I didn't throw my hat in the ring because I thought it was going to be uh, easy. It's certainly not. Um, but that's what makes it more compelling. You know, there are really serious issues here. Um, and I think we can make a difference on them. So one thing, a really sticky challenge that we have that I face weekly in various forms, it's sort of <laughs> this kind of gremlin that shows up in many different ways, is that ever-present tension between traditional measures of success, like outputs and grant capture, because those things still matter, right? We still need to be doing that to um, get our research out there, to be able to make our research financially sustainable. We can't not have those things, but there is a tension between those things and other more diverse and inclusive measures of success, like developing the next generation of researchers, like um, equity, diversity and inclusion work. And where the former, the traditional measures of success, when they kind of become too heavy on that balance is where you get some, some really nasty consequences, actually, and some pretty bad behavior. It's where you get the hyper competition. Um, so it's about keeping those two things in balance and actually kind of combining them. And this is my solution to this, like that we can get past that tension. And the way to do that is by understanding that research culture with open research and collegiality and all of that that goes into a good research culture is the other side of the coin to research quality. You can't have one without the other. So more diverse teams, we know that. So along um, race lines, along gender lines, along international lines, we know data shows us that that makes for better research quality. These come out higher in the REF, the Research Excellence Framework. So it's about getting that word out there. Of course, the more languages you work with, the more diverse your research participants are, the more robust your research is going to be. So for me, that's how we strike that balance between, yeah, we need to bring the money in, yeah, we need to be publishing great, um, great research, but we also need to be doing that um, through inclusive and responsible behaviors. 
So that's the sticky point, I guess, for me, uh, just keeping those two things in check. And we've already heard from um, Nick Shepard in his uh, podcast that he did about, you know, the need for change for open research to enable a lot of this change to happen. So it's not something that we can do as an institution. It's that sector wide approach that's going to you know, really need the publishers engaged, the funders engaged, the institutions and the individuals. So I really do understand where you're coming from when you say I think that might be the one that takes a little bit of um, uh, pushing to make progress on. Yeah, I mean, but I do see this happening more and more, which is lovely. So I was in uh, a leadership forum recently and we were talking about the job description for a new high level uh, research management position at the university and um, one of the the forum came and said you know we need research culture friendly criteria to be front and center of those within that job description so it was really nice to hear that and actually the chair of that meeting then came back to me immediately after the meeting asking me for a bullet point to describe research culture behaviors and values to include in that job description so that was a, a yeah I guess a quick win actually something we can do without you know waiting for funders or external partners here within you know our own university. And I think that's really reassuring to hear because I do think um, I might be biased given where I work and what I do, but I do think we're very lucky at Leeds because it does feel like there's an appetite for change and we've got people who at all levels want to engage with this. They're willing to get involved. So what are you hoping to see in the next five years? Well, five years isn't long, actually, uh, you know, considering culture change, real deep lasting culture change is going to take time five years isn't isn't long but there are a few things I would like to see within that period so I think um one area where we're doing really well already is in open research so I'd like to see in five years time open research practices just being the norm our bread and butter this is the way we we work we make our um papers open access we make our data and code open access we use open platforms like octopus or others we um, conduct our research openly with our participants and we engage with the public transparently. So I would like all of that stuff just to be business as usual. The other changes I would like to see in the next five years are actually some policy changes because I think actually changing the rules um, can really accelerate that kind of grassroots culture change. So I'll tell you what I mean. Um, so I'd like to see more funding calls with research culture as an explicit focus. I think once money is um, uh, on offer, this can really focus minds um, and, and make change. So I'd like to see more calls with research culture in the call explicitly. I would like to see the same in the next ref. So I would like the environment statement perhaps to include more explicitly on people and culture. Um, and I would like to see that within the promotion criteria. I would really like to see more reward for research cultural practices, open research, EDI, collegiality, development, these kinds of things being added to impact um, and other um, fairly recent measures actually of, of success within the promotion criteria. So once we've got, you know, these kind of policy changes and rule changes made by those with power, then I think the grassroots culture change will follow. Well, actually, they kind of move in tandem, but I think then 
uh, we'll start to see a reduction in harmful research practices, so exclusion of self-interest, of wasting resource. Now, none of that kind of happens because people are bad or like, you know, they've got Machiavellian tendencies. The fact that they are interested in their own self-promotion or that they include others it's because the system traditionally has rewarded that. So I'm not blaming people that do that. They really, there's, there's kind of systemic influences which, which result in those outcomes. Um, and I would love to see people recommending research as a career to the next generation because they enjoy it. Wow. I really hope to see all of that in the next five years. Um, I did joke in the episode that I did that, you know, if, if everything was going right, I'd be out of a job. Yeah. So I might want to rethink that one. Um, there will always be work to do. There will. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's fair to say. There will always be a, a, a challenge for us to tackle. Um, so we are up to time. It's amazing how quickly um, time flies when you're having a conversation. But what we tend to do is finish each episode by giving you an opportunity to raise anything that you haven't already said. Uh, if you want to highlight a particular thing that you're working on or a topic. Um, and I will finish by saying thank you very much, Kat, for joining us today and over to you. That's brilliant. Thanks, Emma. Um, yeah, loads going on at the moment. So we have a call out at the moment for a research culture project. So it's an open call. Um, for money from Research England, for faculties, individuals, research teams um, of all stripes to propose research culture projects. So deadline for that is December the 9th. I think, Emma, you're going to put the link in the notes. Um, and I've been thinking a lot about reward and recognition and how we kind of uh, recognize each other and kind of acknowledge and thank each other in a really easy way so you know say thanks to a colleague today send them an email if just mentioning their outstanding work cc in their line manager um you know these are really easy ways off it's not enough alone but i think it's just something that we can do pretty easily and quickly um to make each other feel valued Thanks for listening to the Research Culture Uncovered podcast. Please subscribe so you never miss out on our brand new episodes. And if you're enjoying the discussions, give us some love by dropping a five-star rating and written review as it helps other research culturists find us. And please share with a friend and show them how to subscribe. Email us at academicdev at leads.ac.uk. Thanks for listening and here's to you and your research culture.